Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, hello, I'm really excited to be back with you today. There are a few things that need to change regularly in our homes. We tend to set it and forget it. And then there comes problems. Often it's the same thing. It's a time issue. And sometimes it's just that we don't have a system or a good system. And if we make a system, it's gonna take a lot of time. So to keep it simple, I have three things that we should rotate and change regularly in our homes, but we often don't. Let's get started. The first one is contributions. If you've been listening or reading my blog or this podcast, you'll know that I'm a big fan of contributions. We call them contributions and not chores because chores don't have a good reputation. And what we're doing is actually contributing to the household. It's a big distinction as we're contributing to a whole, including ourselves, and not just doing things for someone else. And that's where chores has the bad reputation. I go into a lot more detail of how we do that in episode number 166. So if you go to raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 166, you'll go to that episode and you can hear all about contributions. My system for contribution has taken a little while to get it to where I want it to be. But there's always a point to having a system and this system really helps me to be able to do the contributions for the family quickly and easily now that it's there. And I'll spend a little time now and I'll go through my system really quickly. The first thing that I do is make a template with the children in mind. So I have the children along one axis and the days of the week along another. So I save mine in Word so that I can update it. My table is for three children and it's by six days. We have one day where we don't do any contributions that are specifically written down. Stuff just happens. I'll add two contributions for each child per day. One for the morning and one for the evening. Uh, My children are school age and they go to school and they get early buses in the morning and in the evening or the afternoon they have time to do other things. So I keep it very light for the one in the morning and in the evening they have a, a meatier or a bigger one to do. They have a choice of which one they would like to do. So sometimes they choose to flip it or or not, but they choose to do the one that they know will work within that time. The second thing I do is I choose contributions that are more anytime contributions. So you can do these contributions at any time during the day or night. You don't have to be there specifically to do it. I've done this because like many families, we have times when we're out and about and times when we're home and I don't want the contributions to be weighing on my mind. They haven't managed to do the washing up. And what does that mean? I will end up doing the washing up. Washing up isn't an anytime contribution. It's a, we have to be here to do it. And sometimes that means we end up doing contributions because they're just not available. They've got other things that they need to do. Anytime contributions are things like cleaning a mirror. You can do that in the morning. You can do that in the afternoon. You can do that before you go to bed. It still needs to be done and it's still important for it to be done. 
So I think very carefully about choosing as many anytime contributions as possible. Those other contributions still need to be done, but they're done by those of us that are there. And I try and keep a track of how that's going to make sure that the same people aren't doing the same thing. Because kids still need to learn how to wash up, take out the bin, do that type of thing. But it doesn't need to be a contribution that they do in our family. We, we like to use anytime contributions a lot more. We think of contributions um, off the top of your head is really hard. So I look up chores and contributions through search engines and I go to Pinterest to get some ideas. So my head is full of ideas of chores and contributions and I think, okay, which ones now will fit my family? This is a huge rabbit hole. So I set a timer to make sure I can read, research and learn only a few. Otherwise I could get lost in the world of contributions by doing that. I also think of specific life skills that's the focus. So it might be something like laundry or cleaning an entire kitchen or bathroom. These are big multi-step activities. So choose them and split them up between the children. For example, we have at the moment one child cleaning the bath, one child cleans the toilet, and one child cleans the sink, the mirror, and the floor. Altogether, on one day, they will have cleaned the entire bathroom, but they have three separate parts that they are actually doing. The next thing that we do is we add in our must-haves. Laundry is one of those things. So we have a laundry day, we have the bathroom day, we have a hoover day. One of the good reasons to have a day that you know that specific things goes on is so that you don't spend your time trying to work out who has done what activity. I have split it up in the past with the bathroom and different days they were doing different things. And nothing's more frustrating than you them saying, I cleaned the toilet and you didn't check. And then the next day the toilet's a mess and you say, well, you didn't clean it. Well, you just didn't get around to seeing it. Whereas if you've done the whole bathroom all in one day, it's much easier for you to walk in there and see the whole thing and take it in in one moment. And they get to see what the finished article will look like. They've gone through an entire system. They might have been close enough to see other parts of the same system being worked. And that's a really good thing for kids to be able to do. The Hoover thing is great because you hear the Hoover go on three or four times, however many children's, as they're doing their room or whichever rooms you've, been, you've specified. And that's really cool because you don't actually have to go over and know that they've done it. You can hear that it's working. And when you have the chance to be able to go over and check, you can, but you've already heard what it is. So doing contributions don't take up more of your time, but you have a time to be able to monitor it from afar. As the table is starting to fill out on my Word document, I start rejigging it to fit the older children and the younger children. So I simplify it for the younger children and I make sure that the older ch child doesn't end up doing the lion's share of everything because they can. So I move things around, try and get a little bit of balance with what's going on. Um, also considering their schedules, when children have a lot of activities to do on certain days, trying to make sure that I'm not overburdening them, neither am I giving them too little to do. So, you know, there's a bit of rejigging that goes on. But everyone gets to do everything, but not as well or the whole system. So an example of that is cleaning the toilet. 
Cleaning the toilet for my eight-year-old is very different from cleaning the toilet for my 13-year-old, but they're both still cleaning the toilet. There are certain things that they have to do when they're cleaning the toilet, and they learn how to do that before they move on to the next part and they master it. It does mean that right now, um, one of my children is cleaning the toilet, but I will need to come in and do the other steps because they haven't completed all of the steps that goes along with that. But as they're growing older and more responsible, they will learn these other steps as they go along. And my time to clean the toilet will change because when we rotate the contributions, another child will be doing clean the toilet and they may be further along in the cleaning the toilet schedule. So I won't need to clean all of the toilet in the way that I was doing so before. I hope that makes sense. After a while, I call it good and say that this is version one underneath at the very bottom I just put v.1 so that I know that that's version one and the date so April 2016 so I know that this is what I did this is what I wanted to do and this is how it how it's going to be I print it and I put it up we have good places that we put it in the house a contributions chart is I think quite a private thing for families I know some families like to have it up and don't care um, who can see it and who doesn't. Um, I know that for us in our family, our children aren't big on know wanting everybody to know what they're doing and how they're doing things. So we have found places to be able to put it. You know, it's completely up to you and your family what you do with it. Good places that we've found is behind closet doors and their wardrobes, behind the bedroom door, places that are private but visible. I also have a copy in the kitchen because this is one of the busiest places in our home that they can reference it and find it. Also for me to be able to see what it is. I don't have to keep a track in my head of each child and what they're supposed to be doing. I can reference it and say, okay, it's Tuesday. What is my child supposed to be doing today? I can look before they start. I can look during their activity. I can look at the end of the day when they should have completed it before they get to eat dinner or whatever it is that they've had their hard boundary around. I can make sure I know what's going on. Many times contributions get, well, they just disappear. Somehow the sheet that you were using to help them gets taken down and I don't know, disappears into the trash or falls off the wall. You know, some good reasons that they disappear. But sometimes the children just don't want to do it and it just disappears. So being able to have a copy that you can reprint is good. Um, they get dog-eared as well because they, they're used a lot. Things get scraped against it, you know, think it falls off. So just having access to many copies is really good. I think a problem with contribution charts that often happens is because they're printables, people make them look brilliant and beautiful and they get very upset when anything has to change. Whereas contributions are quite fluid. Just print another one, find a way to do it. It's a functional piece that we need for our kids, a bit like shopping lists. It's a functional piece that they, they look at and we shouldn't worry so much about it you know, staying beautiful, just reprint another one. The The table's filling out. I've called it good. I've added my version number to it and I've put a date. I've printed it. I've put it up somewhere. And we talk about the fact that it's changed. 
Sometimes I mention that it's changed, but often they just notice when they come, oh, it's a new, a new one. And then they look at what's happened and what's changed. And after a week or so, you'll see that you'll need to make some adjustments. Maybe it's too heavy in one area. Maybe it's too light, too easy, um, too much. All sorts of things that you might realize, oh, I'm going to have to teach them or reteach them that thing. And um, I need to change it. So it's, it's really good at that point to either reprint it with the changes or just annotate it on there. Keep this routine for about three months or a season. So the first week or so, I might make some adjustments. But after that, I tend to just leave it alone and the kids find their level. They find their routine with it. They get going with it. And I just leave them to be able to get on with it. And we work together, checking to see that all the contributions are done in the right way. When it comes time to change, I keep this routine for about three months or about a season, depends on when I can get round to it. I copy and paste the first version that we did. So if we're doing it today, it was version one. Fast forward three months, we're going to do version two, copy and paste version one to be version two underneath in the same document and then shuffle the contributions and add in some seasonal ones. So sometimes I do it as simply as shift everything to the left or the right so that it rotates that way. Sometimes we want to change the day. So laundry day used to be Sunday. That's not working well. Now I want it to be on Friday. Let's try it that day. So we might do things like that, move things about and try and change it. We might go back and revisit some new contributions that we want to add in because the seasons have changed. So right now we've just added in watering plants as part of one of the, the contributions that the children have to do. And so we find these new contributions and add those in. Take out ones that are just too much or they don't need as much practice with because maybe you want to simplify the schedule. Maybe you want to give the kids a break with that skill. They don't need to be doing that anymore or you want to do it for a little bit. This is the part that often doesn't change in many families where we actually rotate our contributions. Hands up how many of you remember doing the same contributions forever? If I could see you now, I'm sure many of you have your hands up. When you were little people, you had the same contribution that you did for years probably. Children really need to learn more than one contribution. And if we're really parenting our children for now and next, their next stages, then we need to remember that they need to be able to do all different types of things for themselves. Doing contributions really give them purpose and they have some sort of order to their day and the things that they're doing. We've just rotated our contributions and I have three very happy lads glad to be rid of certain contributions. They're also helping each other learn how to complete other contributions because they've just done it themselves. So they feel that they understand exactly how to do it. And it's so powerful to watch them trying to help their sibling carefully because they know that their sibling probably will have to help them in something else too. I can't tell you how exciting it is to see that children actually working together 
with a purpose, cleaning up and tidying and doing contributions that are meaningful for them. So what can you do? This was the first thing, contributions and rotating the contributions. I've shared with you part of my system and how I do it. What two things can you do right now? Well, you can start a contribution chart system if you don't already have one and make sure you keep a copy of all your versions. It means that doing contributions gets easier and easier each time. This first time you do it, it can take a long time. But after that, it gets easier and quicker. You really don't need to reinvent the wheel. And the second thing that you can do, rotate your contributions chart. Maybe it needs to be a line on your calendar that says rotate your contributions chart and you have that every three months to remind you to do that. Number two, morning and afternoon routines are not often rotated at all. We have different children of personality. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, some are lazy, some are active. Situations change. Maybe you have activities that have to happen in the morning, choir or music lessons. Maybe you have an early morning meeting so that you have to drop them off at um, daycare and other things like that. The same in the evening, situations change. But morning and afternoon routines often need to be changed. Back to school time is the prime time where most of us choose to sort out our morning and afternoon routines. We finished school for the summer in May here and we are in mid-April and I can see that the boys are dragging. So I know that it's time for an adjustment. I've talked about small steps to an easy morning exit before and I'll leave a note for that in the show notes so that you can have a look at um, being able to do that. So I'm not going to go into all the things that go into a morning and afternoon routine. By now, they know what to do, but they're just tired of the daily grind of doing it. So here are a few things that you can do to change up that morning and afternoon routine. You can print out a checklist. They can write the checklist or you can write the checklist. It doesn't matter. It's easier if they can tell you what they usually do in the morning. But if not, you can also do it. Checklists are nice when you type them and print them, but you can also just write them down. It really is just a key to be able to do something. It doesn't have to look beautiful. Use a clipboard for the checklist. Um, My children really love having a clipboard to be able to walk around and see the things that they've got to be able to do. Because it's a checklist on a clipboard is huge, so they get to see it. It's not a piece of paper that they can just lose and gets lost with all the paper that's around. It's not another thing to stick up on the wall. It's on a clipboard. They can see where the clipboards are in the house and the clipboard can be put away out of sight. At times um, that they know that they should get to a certain point. So is breakfast always at 7.30, for example? So they understand some concept of how long they've got to do something. Sometimes kids get distracted. And so knowing a specific time that that has to happen is great. For some kids, drawing an analog clock with the the hands on it is good because they can work it out. For some, it's putting the digital points on. Whatever works for you. But adding time sometimes gives them boundaries to get to. They know, I have to have breakfast by this time or I have to have completed something by this time. That can be helpful. Use your phone to set 
multiple alarms to signal the end of things. So um, if you've got an old phone, it's even better because you can use it. The, the clock feature usually works. Use the phone to set multiple alarms to signal the end of breakfast. Maybe it's time for the bus is going to be here in five minutes. That's a good one. Snack time so that you know that snack time is over and it doesn't turn into this great long festival. Choose a few benchmarks. We can get carried away with the times, but the times are really just meant to be indicators that we need to switch and change, switch and change. Over time, we might find that we don't need as many alarms or any at all, but sometimes at this time of year, we need a change to just shake things up. Set the clocks in the house forward 10 minutes to give you a break so that you don't feel as if you have to be on top of them all the time, that they, you have that grace period. Reduce the routine to its essence. Sometimes we put too many things into a routine because, well, we just could do with having that in. Why don't you just reduce it to its absolute essence? What do they really need to do? Is it three things? And let's see if we can get those three things done. Give some hard limits and more autonomy. So things like you need to get your bed made before school, but don't specify that they need to get their bed made first. It's the first thing that they need to do or they need to do it before breakfast. Just allow a hard limit and then let them decide when they are going to do that activity. Now, this is a tricky one because what happens if they don't make their bed? Well, then we let the chips fall and we have an appropriate consequence that happens because of it. What we can do now is think about our morning and afternoon routines. You've heard some ideas of how you can switch it up, rotate and change them. What are you going to choose? Maybe you could choose one of these ideas and see if it changes the scope of your morning or your evening routine. The third one that we often don't rotate and change is new games and ideas. Remember the times when the children were much younger, we were very interested in their play. We've talked about it a lot here at Raising Playful Tots. We've got lots of shows on play and the activities that you can do and how we are very involved in their play. We knew how many puzzles they had, how many cuddly toys they had, which loose part toys would be scattered around the house, their favorite things, all of those things. But as they get older, often with creeping independence, we're happy that they don't need us as much to, and they don't say things like, oh, play with me, play with me all the time. Now we hear, I'm bored, I don't know what to do, perhaps a little bit more than we expected. Children love to hear about the games that we played and activities that they can do. Some children are really good at just finding things to do. And there are other children that really just don't know ideas about what to do. And we shouldn't penalize them because they can't. Sometimes they just need time. If they had 10 minutes, half an hour, at the beginning, they don't know what to do, but they would have found something good and worthwhile to do. But there are some children that really don't know how to do that because they've always had specific things that they've been able to do. So we have to kind of work with what we've got according to the personalities of our children. Just this week, we introduced solitaire to the boys. 
I would have thought that they would know this game already, but they didn't. I hadn't taught it to them. Their father hadn't taught it to them. They, the friendship groups that they're in, they hadn't learnt it from there. So <clears throat> that really taught me that you shouldn't underestimate what the kids do and don't know. There'll be some things that they just, you would have thought they would know, but we actually need to just teach them. We did the computer version first so that he could get an idea of what was going on. And then we taught him how to use the card version because that's what he's going to be doing most often. And now they're stuck, just like you and I were, playing solitaire any time that they can and getting frustrated when they can't get all their piles in. I think they've managed to get all their piles back to all those aces once and they were so excited <laughs> that they did it. Oh, remember those days. If your children are gravitating towards things that you're not happy with them to play at all or you don't want them to play that, that much, then we need to fill that void with things that we want them to play with and perhaps teach them or play these things with them. It's a really important point because I know that some of you are struggling with screen troubles, screen woes, and we had a whole podcast about that that I'll talk about in a moment. And some of us have decided we don't like some of the games that our children are playing and we want to do something different with them. And so we can't just take away a whole load of things and not put in its place opportunities to do other things because what are they going to do? That's all they've ever done is this other thing. And so we need to be able to show them how to do these new things. We need to have these new things about. A good example of this is if you're reducing screen time. What are you and what are they going to do instead? If you're reducing their toy collection and you've removed a whole bunch of toys, maybe they're not using it or that they're broken. Maybe you've done the, the toy challenge that I have and reduced to toys that way. Or you've just decided, okay, they're older now. They need to be playing with new toys. We need to find a way of showing them what to do next so that they're not just stuck. Some children won't need any help at all. Just reducing their toy collection will be enough. Now they're playing and they're playing well. For some kids, reducing their screen time will be great. They'll just automatically switch. But for some children, there is an adjustment. Here are a few ways that you can continue playful play that lasts, incorporating new games and new ideas as the children are getting older and for us to be part of that. Reduce the toy collection to a few key pieces. So that might mean boxing them up and saving them in a different place. As the children are getting older, you could venture to do that with them. Some children, it doesn't suit their personality to be able to do that because they want to keep everything and it can be more harm than good. Also, it's, there are some of us that find it very hard to be able to put away certain loved and enjoyed toys. But that's the first thing. Reduce the toy collection to a few key pieces. Rotate the toys and games. When toys and games come out that you haven't seen for a while, it's like new. And that doesn't change from when they are younger and to when they're older. It's just the same. We laugh about it. We've moved many times. We're a military family. And we box things up all the time. And we have boxes of things that we can't get out at every duty station that we go to. And we experience the same thing. There are boxes that we open and we're like, oh my goodness, do you remember this? We used to do this, play this, look at this. 
and we get it out and then we want to use it in this new place. So it doesn't change. We're exactly the same. And children enjoy the newness of things that they haven't had for a while. Now they might be ready for it. Some things they were too young for before, so they couldn't do it. Some things they had got tired of doing because it was too hard or they didn't appreciate it, but now they might give it a go. So if we reduce the toys and the games that we have to just a handful of choices rather than the hundreds of choices, sometimes we will see a change in the way that they behave. So it's good to kind of change this up, rotate them, see how it works. Does it work in your family to have five types of games out instead of 25 games out? If it's the five, then go with that. But we won't know until we kind of change things about. Notice the types of games that they love. Maybe it's strategy or building or making, creating. Make sure there's enough time in the family schedule for these activities to flourish. Have a games night with games that you all love. If you don't like board games, don't play board games. Do something else. Bonus points if you can do it with other people who have other games, because that's just how we learn how to play these games. If the children are fixated on one game type and you want variety, then make sure you are there for the rotations so that you can see that there are different things that they can use. Make sure that there are different things for each age group. So for example, if you want them to do more outdoor play, then make sure that there are a lot of outdoor play suitable activities that cover the whole range of the kids that you have at home. Maybe you want them to do more reading, well then vary the reading material, go to the library, invest in books. If you want them to be moving from one activity to another more, for example, sometimes you might find a child wants to read all day and as great as that is, you don't want them to be so stationary you want them moving about or they want to play outside all the time and you want them to be able to come in and do other things introduce rotations so that you say we're going to do you can go outside but you can go outside for this amount of time three hours five hours 20 minutes and then when you come in you can do this other type of activity so that you get the variety of play that you would like same way, you can be on the screen for this amount of time, you can read your book for this amount of time. Eventually, they will start to be able to find their own level and you won't have to intervene as much. They will automatically start to move between activities and enjoy those activities for themselves. Have guidelines in your family for things like if you sit for 30 minutes then you have to move afterwards for 15 or 30 minutes afterwards so this is another good one especially during the holidays when you get fixated on something and you're playing a game you're doing an activity and they're doing it for the whole day and you feel that they shouldn't have to do it for the whole day there are some times when it's great that they can do it for the whole day I'm really not saying you shouldn't spend the whole day doing something but you might have a guideline that you say if you're sitting for 30 minutes then you have to move for 15 and 30 minutes afterwards if you have something like that the kids start to realize the importance of movement and sitting and why you need to do that or if you're alone for an hour you have to interact with someone for 30 minutes 
This is a really good one too because some children like to be by themselves and do stuff by themselves and we want to give them opportunities to be able to talk and interact with other people too so they're not stuck doing things by themselves all the time. So then this is a way that they learn how to do that. But not everyone wants to be around people all the time. I know I'm an introvert too. I like time to myself where I can recharge. And if you've got lots of siblings around, lots of people, you want some uninterrupted time. So maybe you have a guideline that says something like everyone has 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever the number of uninterrupted time away from siblings. So that may mean that they're in their own bedrooms or in different parts of the house or or outside where they can do an activity and know that none of their siblings will come in and ask them or interrupt them or do anything. This gives time for them to recharge and for them to get stuck into doing something that they really love. Take an inventory with your child of the games and activities that they can do. This is a really interesting activity to be able to do. I've spent an afternoon or so with the boys going around and just looking at their shelves. Like, you have all of these things on here. Did you see you have this book where you can pluck out the butterflies and fold them? And look, you have an origami book here and so on and so on. They have no idea. They're kind of blind to all the things that they have. And we just wrote a huge long list and we stuck it up in each room and we all went to each room together and it's good because the other kids helped oh look you've got this did you know you could play it like this kind of sparked an idea of all the things that they could actually do it takes time but it was just perfect when we came to the summer holidays when they didn't know what to do and they said that they were bored you would you could say why don't you go and look at your list and see what things are on there we didn't update it all the time and, and keep it up to date And it was very specific for uh, a season that we used it for. But I would really encourage you if you're struggling with I'm bored and I don't know what to do or you're looking into their bedrooms or their play areas or your house and you're thinking, how can you be bored? You've got tons of stuff. You've got this, this, this and this. If that's they are the words that you usually say, how can you be bored? Then maybe it's time that you took an inventory with your child of the games and activities that they can do and pin it up so that they can look at this list and go back to it. Let them be bored, knowing that there are lots of things that they can do. Touched on this earlier, being bored is not a bad thing. It's hard for us as parents to see them walking aimlessly about but they are trying to find something to do. We need to give them the time to be able to do that. But it's very hard to come up with something to do when you're learning how to do it. If you've not done it before, it can be tricky because you're so used to having things to do that now you have to find activities for yourself. There's that learning curve. But also, I found also that it it doesn't work well if there aren't any creative things in the house to do. If you've taken the markers away and the crayons because they were drawing on the walls, if they've finished all of the paper because it wasn't supervised and they drew on every single sheet one little line and you thought, that's it, I'm not going to give you the paper because you're just wasting it. If they took the Legos and they put them all over the house and never tidied them up so the Lego got confiscated. 
It's no wonder that they feel bored because all of the creative things that they were using are not available. If there's nothing that they can see to do, they can't do it. So I guess we have to work out what we do. If we're taking away things because they're not using them well, when will kids get them back? Can we show them how to use these things so that they can use them? So if they're using a marker, they use it, for example, in front of you on the table and then they give it straight back to you so that it, they don't get a chance to walk off with them and, and get very creative with them on the walls, for example. If they put Lego all around the house, that we have a regular clean-up time where they learn to pick things up and put it back that they don't go to bed unless all of the Lego is picked up or we put a, a silly song on and say, while the song is playing, how many people can collect as many pieces of Lego? It works for everyone at, at all ages to be able to do some silly things to get the really boring things done. So that's a really important point, I think, is when they are bored, do they really have things that they can do available to them to be able to do or have we taken them or they're just not available? So we need to make sure that there is an abundance of these things that are about, or we can lay our hands on them. Maybe you have lots of paper and crayons, but it's held in a special cupboard or a special place that you bring it out. Then you can bring it out so that they know that it's there. It's easier for us to teach them three card games, show them how to do crosswords or Sudoku or word searches, or show them how to paint and pack away carefully first, because now we can just remind them that, oh, why don't you go and do some painting? And we don't need to worry that we need to say, oh, if I get them to paint, then they're gonna get paint everywhere, they're gonna put paint in the sink, and then there's a newspaper, and then if it falls on the floor, and there's paint everywhere. We will be confident knowing that they know how to clean up, they know how to paint and do things properly. So if we actually take the time to teach before we give it to them, we can have the confidence to know that we can send them off to do, go play a card game. Do you remember we played kings, queens and aces? Go play that game, that's a good idea. It gives them a start rather than, I don't know what to play with this. I don't know what to do. And you're immediately thinking, I can think of five games to play, but I don't have the time now to teach them. So find a way that you can teach them games and activities that you know that they might find useful. So I've just gone through a whole, whole bunch of activities that you can do with new games and ideas to kind of keep up with your young kids as they get older and older. What are you gonna do now? Well, I think that if you list five quiet time activities for each child that you would love for them to be able to do, Check that you have the resources for them. Make time to teach and play with them as a family over the next month. Maybe you won't do all five, but think of something like we did solitaire, we thought about it, and we had our plan of how we taught them solitaire, and that's one activity now that they've learnt that we can add to the whole pack of, I don't know what to do, I'm bored, go play solitaire and we've shown them on the computer so that they can be refreshed there and we've shown them physically how they can do it so they can do it there. So they kind of should be able to add that to their arsenal. Introduce a new activity. Lisa uh, of Handmade Parenting shared in episode 185 some great ideas if you're looking for 
new activities to do. Perhaps you're reducing screen time or you want them to read more, but you're just thinking, well, I'm reducing this, so I want them to do more of this, but I, I don't know what to do in its place. Well, she has some really good ideas to kind of get the ideas working for you to be able to see. And don't forget, chat with friends and people around you what they're doing and how they're doing it. So now it's your turn. If you want to improve your family atmosphere, perhaps there are some routines that need a little shake up. I'd love to hear what you rotate in your family and what you change. We've been through three things in today's show. We've gone through contributions, keeping them seasonal and changing them every season. Morning and afternoon routines, changing and adapting them, especially at certain times of the year. New games and ideas, adapting them for children as they change. And especially if you're changing your family atmosphere at home and you're wanting something different, is while you're taking something out, you want to replace it with something that's useful. Use the hashtag creating family haven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode. And I'm so happy that you are here today. I know that there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. I hope something I have said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to be able to find the show. Show notes for today's show and links to all the things I've been talking about, you will find at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 187. That's show 187. While you're there, you can get the fortnightly Raising Playful Tots note that has some encouragement and ideas on our journey of intentional, simple parenting and simple play. I also share challenges and ideas that we're doing. I've got another challenge that's coming up. We've just finished or finishing our family life skills challenge and I talked about that in the Raising Playful Tots note. And we've got another challenge that's coming up really soon that I'm going to be sharing over there. So you really should be over there at the Raising Playful Tots note to be able to do some simple challenges to really improve and um, excite your parenting. So I'll see you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 187. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.